Hey, you can go ahead and turn enter on your Bibles to James chapter 4. That's our first series of scriptures today that we're really going to hang out. James chapter 4. Hey, there's a state in the United States called Arizona. Don't know if y'all know that or not. And in Arizona, there is a phenomenon. There is a place in Arizona that 5 million people a year travel across the world to go and see. They go to, to stand and, 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 and see its beauty, to look at the splendor and the magnificent like structure, just crazy. It's called the Grand Canyon. Anybody in the room ever been to the Grand Canyon? Come on, it's on my bucket list. I'm gonna get there one day, praise God. I wanna go to the Grand Canyon one day. Grand Canyon is an amazing piece of, of uh, history, if you will. Uh, it is a beautiful place. I love looking at pictures of the Grand Canyon and seeing videos of people that are there. Those of you that go to the edge, freak me out. So if y'all cannot do that, if you ever go, I would appreciate that. It'll save some battery on my pacemaker. The Grand Canyon was formed over a period of six million years. Six million years. That's a long time, y'all. Ain't nobody in this room six million years old. Six million years. It was formed by the Colorado River, the weather, and wind whipping across what we now know as the Grand Canyon for six million years. And the reason it was formed by the Colorado River is because as it flowed, as the wind blew, and as the weather happened across the Colorado River, what would happen is sediment or microscopic pieces of rock would be carved through and carried away. And so whenever you do that and compound all of that over six million years, you get the Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon is one mile deep. That is insane. One mile deep. It is 277 miles long. That's a long canyon, y'all. Watch this. It is 18 miles wide from side to side. It's 18 miles. At its closest point, it's 10 miles wide. 18 miles wide. That is a long way. 18 miles wide. It, it, the grand square miles of the entire Grand Canyon is 1,904 square miles. Rhode Island, 1,212 square miles. Do you gather what I just said? It is larger than Rhode Island. A canyon in its square miles is larger than Rhode Island. But the Grand Canyon, as we just talked about, it wasn't created overnight, was it? It was a six million year process of microscopic pieces of rock and clay and dirt being carried away that, that carved out this one mile deep cavern or canyon throughout the world. It went through the hardest of rocks, it went through the hardest of clay. It went through the, the toughest of dirt and it carved a one mile deep, 277 mile long canyon that people go to to see. And my fear is, is that's happening in marriages all over the place. We wake up one morning and it's like, I'm not in love with you anymore. How did it happen? Well, she did this and he did that. No, over the course of time, microscopic pieces of your marriage were carried away and you had no idea until you woke up 
and you were 18 miles apart. There was no intimacy. There was no conversation, no prayer. And, and, and what I don't want to do, how many of you know, how many of you in this room, let me put it that way, how many of you in this room, if you had a way to, to look at people that you cared about and you said this, I know how to make your marriage current or future, if you're not married yet, I know how to make your marriage easier. How many of you would give that information to people that you love? Come on, raise your hand all across the room, yeah, everywhere, all over the place. That's what I want to do today because I know there's some things that we need to pay attention to. And if you're married, it's time to put them under the microscope. It's time to pay attention to a few things. If you're not married yet, can I tell you, it's time to get a healthy view of marriage. And today, we're talking about intimacy killers. Now, I know you're sitting there thinking about, oh, it's a sex talk. No, no, kind of. <laughs> Loosen up a little bit. Kind of. See, I want to talk about intimacy killers, but I got to kill the myth of intimacy first. Because a lot of times we can think intimacy is sex. Intimacy is sex. Intimacy is a moment. Intimacy is an event. Intimacy is two physical bodies coming together. Can I tell you, that's not intimacy. That's an event. That is a part of intimacy. But intimacy, here's how it's defined. Closeness. Friendship. Or close familiarity. Intimacy is so much more than an intimate act, than a physical act. See, Here's the thing, though, the physical act of intimacy, sex, is designed. This is why it's so important to do it the biblical way. It is designed to connect every part of your life to someone else. It is, it is why whenever it, we, we partake in sex in that intimate moment before marriage, we carry soul ties of people that we haven't seen in 10 years. It's why you carry a soul tie to a person you've never met, but you've seen on a screen into a marriage. Come on, why y'all leaving me today? Here's what intimacy is. Intimacy is physical, yes, but intimacy is mental. Intimacy is emotional, and intimacy is spiritual. It's all of those things. And when we do the physical, all those other things get connected to each other and they're tied together. And now we're tied, soul tied to somebody. Maybe, watch this, if you're married today and your physical intimacy is struggling, can I tell you something? It may not have anything to do with physical. It may have to do with one of you is struggling with security mentally. And so there's a mental intimacy you got to figure out how to get around and love somebody through. Maybe it's not physical or mental, maybe it's emotional. When's the last time you cared about the emotions your spouse is going through? And I'm not talking about like, I just need to get you through this because you're driving me nuts. Like y'all, we all go through that. Don't act like you didn't. Y'all ain't that holy. But like, I'm talking about like, all right, tell me what's up. Because you're off. You're off. Or maybe it's spiritual. And if it's spiritual, it's not as easy as, all right, we're going to church together. That's part of it. But that's like saying, I'm going to bake a cake and we're just going to use the eggs. Not the flour, the sugar, none of that. Watch this. That's part of it. But it's also praying together. When's the last time you got in the car? And the first question I already know is like, where are we going to eat? Because you got to figure that out before you get out the parking lot. You know what I'm saying? When's the last time the second question was, what'd you get from today? What did the, the message speak to you today? 
I want to hear. And there's, when's the prayer? When's the last devotion you did together? Maybe it's not physical. Maybe it's spiritual. Or maybe it's all. And we got to begin. See, I got I to gotta debunk this myth for some single folk in the room today. I need you to understand. There are what, there, people will get you to think that sex outside of marriage is terrible until you get married. And then you flip on a light switch and everything's great. And it's supposed to be like, wow! You're supposed to be terrified of it until your honeymoon, and then you're like, let's go, baby, woo! It's not how life works. Intimacy is great. Sex is great in the right context. It can hurt a lot of people in a lot of ways if we're not careful. Mary, this is why it's important for single folks to understand. Hear me. It is important for single folks to understand because you've got to have a healthy view of what intimacy is. And it's not an act. It's a lot of different moments coming together in portions of your life coming together to love Jesus in the same way and love others in the same way. I want to give you some things that are, I'm calling intimacy killers today. Can we talk about that? Because here's my thing, I, I, I believe that if I could tell you some things to look out for, then you know how to live your life and your marriage and, and, and focus it around things so that before you get married, you can work this stuff out, right? And even if you're married, you can work this stuff out. So I'm going to give you some things today. I'm not going to tell you how many points. And the reason I'm not going to tell you how many points because I hang out through all my notes yet this series. So you'll have no idea if I did or not. But if you're taking notes, and I want you to write down these intimacy killers, and if you're not a note taker, I want you to write down these intimacy killers. <laughs> the first one is this, unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations. Mm. Like, there's not a man in the room. Can we get real for a second? Y'all like, we have been the whole time. Let's just talk for a second. There's not a man in the room and some women in the room that didn't go, I'm about to walk down the aisle and say I do. Come on, baby, honeymoon time. Let's get this thing going. It's marriage, honeymoon every day. But you didn't know she wore the same T-shirt to bed every night. <laughs> and wives, you didn't know that he was going to be so doggone tired after, after work every day. Whatever the expectation, unrealistic Expectation. It's not a realistic expectation to go every day, baby, let's go. It's also not a realistic expectation to go never. The reality is, is we have to understand. And here's the thing about expectations. Expectations are good. Some of you in the room, you need some expectations. Some of you, it's just, if your name is Joe and you cute, then like, come on, baby, let's do this. Some of you need to raise your expectations. Some of you need to go, like, you need to move away from, well, if he knows the name of Jesus, then we're good. No, there's a scripture that says, unequal, do not be unequally yoked. There's a purpose for that scripture. Like, if you're going to live your life based on Jesus, he probably needs to do the same thing without you first. Because if life change happens for the other person, it's going to go away by the other person too. Y'all ain't helping me at all today. Like, we got to get, some of us need to raise our expectations. Like, listen, it's good to have an expectation that he supports himself well before he starts to try to support you. If you want to know how he's going to treat you, watch how he treats his mama. I don't have enough single people in the room that's helping me. If you want to know how she's going to treat you, see how she treats her daddy. 
and listen to how they talk about them whenever they're with you and not with them. That's what you'll get. We need to raise some expectations. But some of us are like, if they ain't Jesus, I'm not giving them a chance. Listen, men, single men, Halle Berry ain't walking around like Jesus. Some of you have Halle, Halle, whatever her name is, what's her name? Halle Berry, whatever it is, physically, in Jesus, spiritually, and you want to wonder why you can't get nobody. Like at some point, you got to get off of Hollywood and start looking in your community. Y'all, I'll keep going anyway. Pastor Chris, I'll preach with you, man. Come on. Like we need to raise and we got to figure out our expectations. But some of us go through life and we have God expectations on humans. And you cannot, they cannot. Here's the, let me tell you something about your spouse. Your spouse was not created to make you happy. They can give you moments of happiness, but they can also give you moments of disappointment. And they will. That's right. <laughs> that one came from deep, y'all. <laughs> they can give you moments of happiness. Watch this. Your spouse was not meant. I hear this all the time. You complete me. If they complete you, there's no room for Jesus. They weren't created to complete you. They can give you moments of completion. But if they complete you, the moment that they disappoint you, you are no longer complete. There's only one man, there's only one being that has existed that was created to give you happiness and fulfillment and joy and, 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 and completion. And his name ain't Bill and her name ain't, ain't, ain't Sue. His name is Jesus. His name is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the moment I ask him or her to fulfill what only Jesus can, I've now put an unrealistic expectation on them. I've now asked them to be God in my life and I'm setting them up for disappointment. See, James chapter four, verses one through three says it like this. It says, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Have you ever been in an argument with somebody like a spouse? You know, maybe you're engaged, your fiance or whatever. You've been, a, you've been a, you know, in an in argument with them for a day or two or three or four <laughs> or seven or eight, <laughs> you know. And it's just that, you know what I'm talking about, like maybe y'all ain't actively arguing, but there's that tension. Y'all yeah. walk around the house and it's like, my bad. <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to look at you like that. <laughs> you know, and then you kind of want to go, I don't know what we're arguing about anymore, but I ain't losing. <laughs> I tell you that right now. I was talking to somebody this week and we were joking about something. I said, you know, I've learned that not every argument has to have a winner. Some of y'all need to write that down and go put it in your room. He goes, what's the source of the tension? Some of you need to ask that. What's the source of the tension and the frustration? What's the problem in my relationship? And then he answers the question. He goes, it's not the source, <clears throat> your pleasures. They wage war in your members. Now, he's talking to a church, a body of believers here, but let's put it within relationship context. It's not the source, your pleasures, or, or is not the source, your desires and your expectations. It's not the source, what you're wanting, what you're desiring and, and all that is not the source like you both have an expectation and maybe the tension is that y'all neither one of you know what the heck you're arguing about, but neither one of you are gonna, gonna, gonna apologize for it either. 
Because my expectation is they apologize to me. And it's unrealistic. It's unexpressed. Let's keep going. And he had like some crazy church members, y'all. I don't have church members this crazy. He said, you lust and you do not have. In other words, he goes, you want something, but you ain't got it. You look on Instagram and they got it, but you ain't got it. And you, you want it, so you'll fight until you get it. And I see that preacher down the street, and I want a ministry like that, or I want a marriage like that, or I want a, I want a parent like that, or I want a vacation like that, and I don't have it, so I'm going to fight about it. And he goes, so you commit murder. Can we just all agree let's not do that? Like, can we stay away from that part of things? He says, so you commit murder. You are envious and you cannot obtain. You're jealous of what you don't have and you can't have it. So you fight and you quarrel. She don't respect me like I won't. Maybe if I fight with her, I'll show my dominance and now she will. No, you go into bed alone for a few nights. Or he doesn't love me like I want him to, so maybe if I nag about it, it'll happen. I want what I can't have, so I fight and I quarrel about it. And then he keeps going in verse 3, or at the end of verse 2, and then into verse 3. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. Or, let me put it like this, unexpressed expectations. You have not expressed what you want. You know, the source of disappointment is unexpressed expectations. Wouldn't it be unfair, like I get an opportunity <clears throat> to lead our staff, I lead a network of pastors and churches and I work with those guys and if there's a deadline, right? If there's a deadline, wouldn't it be unfair for me to expect them to meet the deadline but I never tell them what the deadline is? Wouldn't that be unfair? Wouldn't that be unfair if your boss came up to you and did the same thing? Was like, hey, I need this report, see ya. And they never tell you by when, then you get in trouble and your pay is docked, and you get written up, and you have to see your supervisor. Why? Because you didn't meet deadline, but you didn't know when the deadline was. That's what, that's what many of us do in marriage. Don't believe me? Think back to that time that you went, came home from work, and that was the night, baby. It was going to be a good, good night. But nothing was expressed. And so when they fell asleep on the couch, it was a fight for the next two days because there's tension over an unexpressed expectation. He says, you don't have because you haven't asked. And then verse three, you ask and do not receive because you ask for the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Here's the reality, that is the unlimited God aspect of it all. It's the unlimited, we ask others to fulfill what only God can. We can't have God expectations on human beings, y'all. We've gotta take and stop allowing our spouse to be our God. They can't make us happy, they can give us those moments. Unrealistic and unexpressed expectations, watch this, will create an 18 mile difference or distance between you and your spouse. It will happen. You'll wake up one day and you'll wonder why they never meet your needs and it's because they don't know what they are. Or because you've put such a high expectation on them that they can't meet them anyway. And they try and they try and they live a life, watch this, they live a life of constantly striving but never accomplishing. Because you ought to be this way. But yet, don't you find it funny that most humans, we want grace to walk the journey in our own lives. 
Hey, give me great. I'm getting there. I'm not there yet. Just give me a moment. Give me a chance. Let me walk it out. Let me figure it out. Let me get there. Give me, give me some grace. Let me mess it up a few times and I'll get there. But we don't want to express it to others. Hey, hey, baby, give me some time. I promise I'll get there. I'm going to learn what it means to the five love languages. I'm going to learn what it means to love you. Baby, give me some time. But the moment they don't meet your expectations, how dare you, you don't love me. And the truth is, is unrealistic or unexpressed conversa- uh, expectations will create a distance. We have to learn to get them in check. Single folk, you need to go figure out what your expectations are. Write them down, know what they are, and get them in check. Make sure they're high enough but make sure they're not God enough that no man can meet them. You need to give God, God expectations and man, man expectations. Get them in check. Have an honest conversation with yourself, with your life group, with others in your life so that you can figure out your expectations. We get them, get them right. Some of you need to go home and sit down with your spouse when the kids go to bed tonight and you need to understand each other's expectations. And you need to look at some of them and go, I'm sorry. Some of you, it has nothing to do with your marriage, but you need to go to work and do that. Some of you need to go to friends and do that. Hey, my bad, I put expectations on you that are not fair. Here's another one, I gotta keep going. I'll I'll camp out on that one. Here's another one, you ready? Lack of boundaries. Intimacy killer, lack of boundaries. In, in, In Genesis chapter two, verses 15, Through 17, it says this, then the Lord God took the man, y'all know that as Adam, and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. He had his way of the entire garden. And And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, from any tree of the garden, you may eat freely. He goes, you can have anything in this garden, Adam. It's yours. Any tree you won't accept, he goes on, But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. And we know the story. Even if you're not a church person, you've at least heard this story. In the sense that he told him that, and then Adam and Eve go and they eat from fruit of the tree that they were forbidden to eat from, and all this stuff's taking place, right? And, 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 and then they realized that they were naked, and they were ashamed of it, and all this stuff was beginning to take place. And I find it interesting in the story that Adam couldn't keep his hands off the one thing that God told him not to touch. He told him, you can have anything in this garden, it's yours. <clears throat> in fact, you're the ruler of the garden. In fact, you cultivate it, you grow it, you take care of the garden. Everything in the garden is yours. You can eat anything you want except from this tree. And Adam could not stop looking at the tree. Why would God do that? Why didn't God just say, you can have anything in the garden? It doesn't matter. Here's why. Because spiritual maturity is learning boundaries. It's not God's responsibility to keep you away from things that are harmful. God has already given us boundaries called the Bible, called the Holy Spirit. He's already told us it's our responsibility to learn honor. It's our responsibility to learn commitment and dedication. It is our spiritual maturity. Now, here's the thing. Mistake is not God's responsibility to keep us away from things that will harm us. But when we go to it, it's his opportunity to show grace and love. God looked at Adam and he said, here's the thing, man. This is all yours. I'm giving it to you. I've blessed you, but I'm going to give you a boundary and I'm going to see how mature you are. Yeah, but Eve talked him into it. Doesn't matter. He's the man of the house. 
It's his job to take a stand. It's his job to lead. It's his job to go, nah, we ain't doing that, baby girl. Let's go. See, the reality is, is we got to get to a place to where we're like, nah, God said no. That's a boundary. And so I will put a fence around that in my mind so that I don't go to that because I got everything else I need. Lack of boundaries will kill intimacy. Here's some boundaries we need to set in our lives. We're going to have some fun, right? We got three points within a point. Y'all, praise God, pray, pray for me right now. Here's some boundaries we need in our lives. Number one, we need some boundaries on our mouths. I know, I heard it. I heard it, it hurts, don't it? We need some boundaries on our mouths. In fact, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says it like this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love to talk or love it will eat its fruit. Those who love to hear their own voice will eat the fruit of talking way too much. I would, in the New International Brandon version, I'd say it like this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and the thumbs. <laughs> we don't have to say or type everything we're thinking, y'all. Listen, I'll give you a great example. It just happened to me about 20 minutes ago. In worship, <laughs> y'all are like, what's he about to say? In worship, I heard the Lord drop a word in my heart, in my spirit. I heard the Lord say something to me. And immediately, I was like, all right, I'm ready to say it, Lord. I'm going to tell everybody. And he goes, not everything's for everybody. And I was like, oh, that's for me. Appreciate it. <laughs> not everything's for everybody, y'all. Listen, we don't have to say, and here, let me give some of you some freedom. You don't have to attend every fight you're invited to. You just don't. Like you, it's okay to look at people and go, you know what? I ain't getting into that. Love you. You want to talk about football? Let's talk about football. I ain't going to that one. I ain't attending that fight. And I definitely ain't showing up with bells on and an opinion. Can I tell you what an opinion is like I did the 830? Here's what it is. An opinion's like a booger. Everybody's got them. But nobody wants to see them all. I don't know how else to put it out there so plainly. Some of us need to keep our opinions to ourselves. Just because you think you know how to do it better doesn't mean you know what went into the decision to do it the way it's being done. That's just the way it is. Watch this. And if your wife or husband is doing it a certain way and it ain't the way you would want to do it, shh. Is it getting done? You know what I'm saying? Like, is it for real? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Some of us just need to be quiet. Here's the thing, like I don't care, can I just be real transparent? I don't care what your political affiliations and thoughts are. I just don't. You can have them and I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm not even saying you'll go to hell for them. I just don't wanna talk about them unless I'm close enough to you and we have a, a, a civilized conversation about it and I definitely don't want you talking about it in the lobby of our church because I don't want anybody else to get worked up over politics when there's one king and his name is Jesus and he, don't sit, he wasn't elected and he don't sit in a White House. Come on, somebody. We don't have to talk about everything. Are you with me? We don't have to talk. Here's another one. Boundaries on our mouths. Boundaries on our minds. We need some boundaries on our minds. Here's what, here's what um, my pastor, Pastor Daniel Floyd, says. My pastor says it like this. You don't have to think every thought that you think. You don't have to think every thought you think. 
When I first heard him say that in a leadership session, I remember in my brain going, I can't even think about that thought. <laughs> You're too smart for me. And then I remember this scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. It says this, we are destroying speculations or assumptions and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And then he says this, Apostle Paul says, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of God. You may not be able to control every thought that crosses your mind, but you can control how long it stays there. And you can control what it dictates for you to do in your life. We got to take those thoughts and go, is this from God? Why am I thinking it? And if it's not from God, what scripture do I need to replace it with? Can, can, I, can I be transparent about the mind for a second? I'm going to like scoot through real quick. I heard something, and this is new in my life. I'm going to say that off the front. Like five days old, four days old, new. But it has transformed my life in a very quick time. If I'm being real with you, I'm not the most confident guy in the world. I, I, like I struggle. I struggle with doubt. Anybody else with me? Struggle, doubt can be debilitating. I struggle with whether I'm a good enough preacher, leader. I know what God's called this church to do, and it's not what you see right now. This is the beginning of it. And I know that, like, I question if I'm the guy that can really do that. I question if I can lead my staff well, but I don't just want to lead my staff to do things. I want to lead them to love their families well and be better people. I question if I can lead you well. Like, I, there's so many doubts, right? I heard another leader that I'm in a coaching group with this week talk about this. And he was talking about setting I am statements in your life. And it resonated, like I just teared up. And I sat on a coaching call with him and I told him, I said, I've created I am statements in my life. And I took his method of it. Like I was like, I'm jacking the whole thing and I'm taking it as mine now. I'll give you credit one time, then I'm teaching it as mine from here on out. And I've created, over the past few days, seven I am statements in my life. One for every day. But I, I transformed it a little bit to be this. I am, which leads me to I will. And I've put it on the Reminders app in my phone to go off at 6 a.m. every morning. So the first, time, first thing I see when I look at my phone is an I am, which means I will. So like, one of them is, I am a child of God. Therefore, I will live my life in response to the Father's love. Today, I know that because of my position, God has given me influence. Today's I am was, I am influential, and I will steward my influence to impact people closer to the cross. I saw it at 6 a.m. Whatever it is, like at some point, you got to replace negativity, and you got to replace it with truth. You can't control what thoughts cross your mind, but you can control how long they stay there. And eventually, if we take them all captive and make them obedient to Christ, our thoughts will draw us closer to Christ rather than make us doubt. So we need boundaries on our minds, boundaries on our mouths, boundary on our actions. Some of us need some boundaries on our actions, man. You don't have to act on everything you feel. We talked about this last week, 1 Corinthians 10, 23. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. In other words, you can do, listen to me, I need you to hear me. You can do whatever you want. 
Like, for real. You can do anything you want to do. But don't expect it all to be good. Don't expect to go break the law and not go to jail. Don't expect to go against the word of God and then complain whenever it didn't go the way that God said it would. Like, you can do it. You can do whatever you want. But I'm just telling you, God's given us a way to get fullness of life. You have to decide in your life what is off limits. What is off limits to you? What is off limits in your life? What is off limits in your marriage? What is off off limits? Like, what type of tone of voice is off limits? What type of response is off limits? What type of action is, is off, off limits? Like, I don't know. I can't tell you that. I don't know your life, but you can. Some of you are so caught up on being what you've always wanted to be that you're leaving your spouse in the dust on the way. And there needs to be a boundary to where your marriage is more important than the platform you're chasing. Because if you get to the platform without your spouse, the platform doesn't mean anything anyway. Because you've lost your love in the process. I'm going to give you the last one. Man, forget it. I'm just going to go ahead. Unrealistic expectations, lack of boundaries, last intimacy killer, secrets, secrets. Pastor Chris Hodges, my pastor's pastor, says it like this. You're only as sick as your secrets. What secrets are you holding on to? Because that's how sick you are on the inside. That's why we need life groups. That's why we need people to just open up and go, man, this is what I'm dealing with. I love James 5.16. It says this. It says, therefore, watch this, confess your sins to one another. In other words, don't keep anything back. And pray for one another so that you may be healed. Watch this. I love this. Your confession leads to healing. Not your confinement of the secret, but your confession of the secret leads to healing. Some, some of you, the reason you haven't been healed in years of hurt that you've been dealing with is because you haven't yet confessed it. The reason some of you are still sitting in bondage from stuff that does, should not even affect you anymore, and you know it, is because you're confining it rather than confessing it. But I don't feel like I need to let my spouse know. Then go to your life group. Then go to your best friend. Then go to a counselor. Go somewhere with the same sex. Don't go to somebody that's not a professional counselor of the, the opposite sex. Hear me. And confess it and just go, I've been holding on to this for so long. It'll heal your marriage. It'll heal your life. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. That's the end of that scripture. Secrets will kill your intimacy. Some of you, the reason that you can't be physically intimate the way that your spouse wants and the way that you want is because you're being tormented by something you refuse to confess. And I'm just telling you, hear me. That is not the marriage God has for you. The marriage God has for you, whether it's now or whether it's in the future, the marriage God has for you is one that is full of life, one that is full of love, one that is full of sacrifice, one that is full of joy, one that is full of him, one that is full of freedom. That's the marriage for you. That's the marriage for me. 
And if we'll get to a place to where we know the intimacy of just a few, I could go through so many, but just a few intimacy killers to where we can go, I kind of know what to look out for. Single folk, listen, I know you're like, well, this isn't where I am today. Man, if you'll learn, if you'll learn this stuff now, holy moly, your marriage from day one will be what we're trying to get to on year 16. Like, I'm for real. It doesn't mean it won't be work. It just means like you are already 10 steps ahead. You ain't keeping secrets from nobody because you already know. And here's what I want to do today. I just want to pray for you. I just want to pray and, and Pastor Travis is going to come up and after I say amen and he's going to give us one more practical next step on how to sign up for that marriage one day and he's going to let us go out and grab our invites and change people's lives by bringing them to church with us and being a part of that, like, but here's, I just want to pray. And I just want to ask God, hey, bless our marriages. Bless our lives. Because I really do believe God has changed some hearts in here today. And I don't, here's the thing about today's word though. All right, let me, let me be transparent. We all want to come in and get an in, immediately transformative word. To where there's no work, it just happens. This is one of those words, you got to work. You got to go home and go, baby. Put the kids down at 6.30, we got a meeting. And I ain't talking about that kind of meeting. That'll come after the me the, that, this meeting. I'm, I'm for real, you got to go talk about it. Some of you, again, it ain't about your spouse, it's about somebody else in your life and you need to go have those conversations. I just want to pray with you, man, because I think we're going to watch God change lives, heal hearts, and impact marriages through this series. And I'm pumped to see you next Saturday and next Sunday to conclude this series. Father, I love you. You are too good to us. Way too good to us. You love us right where we are. But way too much to leave us there. And God, I just pray that you'd move in our lives. I just want to ask this question real quick. Is there anybody in the room that would go with head bowed, eyes closed? that would go, I want to give my life to the Lord today. That's step one for me. I want to be spiritually healed, give my life to the King, and walk with Him from this day forward, ask for forgiveness. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you're at and just say, I want to give my life to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Just hold them up. Here's what's going to happen. You're not coming up. We're not embarrassing you. Nobody's looking around except a team that's going to slide a clipboard into your hand. Because we want to do this together. We want to walk it out with you. We want to answer your questions. We want to pray with you. We want to give you a Bible and some resources to help you. All that I ask is that you take that and you fill it out. And then while, right where you are today, just pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I give you my life. Jesus, thank you for sacrificing your life to give me eternal life. I give you all that I have. I don't claim I'll be perfect, but here's what I will do. I will be faithful. Walk with me. Guide me. Thank you for your forgiveness of my past, my present, and my future. I love you. God, I thank you for those that have prayed that prayer and given their lives to you today. And I pray, God, that it's not the prayer that changes anything. I know it's not, God. It is the life of faithfulness with you. And I pray for the marriages and the relationships and the people represented in this room today. I believe that life change is taking place. I really do. 
And God, I pray that your spirit would well up on the inside of us and help us live this out and work it out. God, we love you and honor you. In your name we pray. Amen.